Good morning and welcome to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for today. So glad you're with us. If you happen to be a new listener to Talking Money, uh, rest assured, relax, this is not a sales program. So we're not here to sell you an annuity, an insurance policy, or real estate, or anything else. Uh, matter of fact, I just saw uh, an ad on TV for a company that used to advertise on this station, the NRIA. So Mark Elam, my guest here today, is Senior Investment Strategist at Ronald Blue Trust. Have you ever heard of NRIA? I don't think so. You should have seen an advertisement uh, for somewhere because they advertise a lot everywhere. So they're advertising how they will pay out. They, they invest in this, what they say is high-quality, income-producing real estate. And they produce, I think they're saying 8 or 9% a year, plus the option of getting up to 20, I think they even said 22% a year. That's probably when they sell out the real estate and get it. Uh, and so I've been cautioning people on, on, <laughs> on this program. So anytime when, when somebody has to advertise that kind of return, to me, if there's that kind of return out there, they're going to have enough people that have money that are out there buying those kind of investments or investing in that company, why do they need to go to, to Little Greenville, South Carolina and try to get people here to invest in, in money unless they're having a hard time really getting the money in? So you know, we're, not, we're not here to sell those kind of things. Uh, and uh, I don't even know what NRAA stands for, but it's a real estate firm. And I have not heard them advertise on this station for a while, but I just it reminded me because I saw them on a TV ad, and they're touting the same kind of returns. I think that, you ought to buy into it, Mark. Yeah, that reminds me of the old adage. You've heard it. Uh, if it sounds too good to be true, it might not be. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you're right. Why are they having to promote that so uh, yeah. so mu- aggressively if it's as attractive as it sounds? <laughs> exactly. This must be a catch. And if we've heard that, well, um, just Bernie Madoff was – uh, Madoff. I I I, uh, I keep changing. Called him Madoff because he made off with everybody's money. But <laughs> <laughs> Bernie Madoff, uh, of course, he's not with us anymore. For just a few weeks ago, a few months ago, that he right. passed on. But same thing. He was promising. And matter of fact, he wouldn't even tell people. He would tell people, "Don't even bother coming to see me if you don't have this kind of money." Don't. And if you start to question him, well, then you know he he he's sold by by turning people away, saying, "I, I don't want you. I don't want you." And people would want him even more exactly and so they wanted to give their money away even more so we want to talk about a lot of things today mark in the time we have together but of course we want to answer your questions as a listener you can always call in our phone line at the office 800-588-7526 if you want to call or the easiest way is just to send an email to mike at talkingmoneyradio.com mike at talkingmoneyradio.com uh, so, Mark, it's great to have you back in again. So yeah. you're getting to be a, a real regular here on it's Talking great Money. To, great yeah. to come to Greenville. Great weather this weekend. It's like a spring slash summer day. and uh, We set that up for you. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. My yeah, wife course. and I always enjoy coming up from Atlanta to see Greenville. Yeah, well, that's great. So apparently you and a bunch of other people, because you pointed out to me before I even had a chance to see the article, the Wall Street Journal had an article. It was entitled, The Breakout Cities on the Forefront of America's Economic Recovery. And the headline right below that says rising stars such as Greenville, South Carolina, Des Moines, Iowa, and Provo, Utah built out vibrant economies even before the pandemic. Now they are drawing new workers and businesses. And every time I see an article like that in a national publication, most of us in Greenville just cringe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, why are you telling everybody about (laughs) Greenville? Stop it. (laughs) We we want it to be our little secret. I mean, you you don't want to be total secret, but you want it to be enough secret that you don't have a whole bunch of people coming in because we're starting to have some of those same issues 
with housing prices and housing shortages, which, of course, drives up the price on housing. Dan Hamilton has his real estate show coming on after this, and I'm, I'm sure he'll be sharing some of those things with it's great to be great time to be in the real estate business i think but as as always with any business i'll i'll caution all you real estate agents who are are just knocking it out right now it's not going to last forever it never does and too many people are transient in the real estate business because they think it's going to be like this forever it'll be it looks like it'll be that way for a while but the article talks out but talks about saying um, that during the pandemic, Greenville has drawn workers and businesses with large and affordable homes. So when you take somebody that's coming from California, especially if it's Southern California, or Northeast, North, anywhere in the Northeast, mm-hmm. then they, they sell their home up there and they come down here and they can buy you know twice as much home for the same price or the same amount of home for half the price. It's, it's amazing. So uh, one of the Wells Fargo economists says that it's just so much easier to live there and all the industries are poised to do very well. And then uh, they've got some nice pictures. If you didn't see the article, uh, you can go in there and see. It's got nice pictures of downtown Greenville. That um, says mo- many of the best-performing cities are located in states that had shorter lockdowns and fewer restrictions, which that makes sense. It does um, make sense. And, 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 and not necessarily a, um, a, a, an equivalent amount of higher cases of COVID either. That didn't work that way. But well, I thought it was interesting. Uh, it says Greenville may be the best example of these rising stars. Oh, here, here. There we go again. <laughs> How many more people are we going to have visit Greenville because of that? Greenville sits midway. tells where we are and says uh, of lower cost, business opportunities, short drive from larger cities. And then, and then this is, you relate to this, uh, Mark. It says uh, this one guy that moved his company, Cultivation Capital, moved it to Greenville uh, I forget where St. Louis he was in. He says, in the end, he was sold by downtown Greenville's Falls Park, a patch of meandering trails, bike paths, waterfalls, and greenery on the Reedy River. It is, really is one of the prettiest city centers in the U.S. So you were just there last night, and we, you just discovered that last night. I we thought were. you had seen it already. We we uh, walked down that way, and it was a nice night, and settled, you know, why did we never see this before? We never, we never walked this far, but people were out taking pictures, just enjoying the evening, uh, enchanting, uh, part of downtown. And, you know, I've lived in New York, I live in Atlanta. It's the article is true that I don't remember ever seeing anything in a downtown area. that looked, it looked, yeah. uh, anything like that. So, and it was prom night. So it was even busier because there were so many people trying to go to the favorite place in Greenville Falls Park to get their their prom pictures made that's right oh. and there were a lot of there's a lot of settings to take a picture in uh in that park but when i'm going around other places and i talk to uh people and i sit tell them oh yeah well the bmw north american headquarters is here the michelin north american headquarters is here uh the proterra the bus uh, electric bus company which more and more people are being made aware of it's manufactured right here in greenville uh, people don't think about wow okay that's all in greenville and sometimes and, and they, they do see it when they um, when we host that BMW BMW Pro Am tournament, which is coming up in just a couple of weeks, so we get uh, some national exposure there because the Golf Channel replays it, uh, does highlights of it at night, and so they show the Thornblade Golf Course or the Cliffs Valley, and and they'll talk about downtown Greenville. So we get some some uh, exposure there as well, which uh, you hope to get the right kind of people to come to town, not not just whomever it is. All right, so. Um, we we spent that talking about Greenville and the economy, but not every every section of the 
U.S. economy is as vibrant as as Greenville is. Some places are struggling, but uh, many of them are are coming back. We're going to talk about that after the break. We're going to talk about the economic recovery. How robust is it? Uh, how long will it be? Has, has it really already started? Which I think it has. But it, you know, where do we stand on those things? So, so Mark Elam, a senior investment strategist at Ronald Blue Trust, is my guest for today. We'll be back with the second part of Talking Money in just a minute. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear, bondage, and conflict. They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living, free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust Advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or one 800 588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. This is Mike Miller, your host for today. My special guest, Mark Elam. He's Senior Investment Strategist with Ronald Blue Trust, our company down in the Atlanta area. Really wants to move to Greenville, we know, but uh, <laughs> maybe maybe a little hard to do that. They just have to come visit and and uh, drool every time he comes up to, to to be with Greenville. So, so Mark, you've been on uh, Talking Money with me live here in the studio a number of times, and or when we had to do the studio at my office because they wouldn't let us come in here live. Uh, but we want to talk about the economy. Of course, that's what people are are thinking about and they're wondering about. And we we'll talk about the stock market some a little later, but that's all kind of part of what people are are um, worried about wondering what's going to happen so just in in your thoughts you know is is the economy um recovering has it already started uh how robust is it is it going to last all those kind of fun questions that that, that we know that your crystal ball is better than anybody else <laughs> <laughs> well it's certain uh, certainly true the economy is recovering and it's been recovering for a couple of quarters actually and yep. we're seeing we're seeing it in the data and you don't have to, uh, you know, just venture out into traffic, venture out into retail, yeah. venture downtown or wherever you are across the country. Um, it's coming back. People are, are out. People are spending the, the you know, and, and you wonder, well, heck, of course, uh, we've had uh, close to six trillion dollars in stimulus. that's already been passed. I'm not talking about what's being proposed. That's more. We've already mm. had six trillion dollars uh, pumped into the economy. Mind-boggling. It, it, Mind it, really, it, it really is. Trillion. Um, I don't even know how many zeros that is. But <laughs> it's too of many. Cor- of course, uh, that's supporting the economy. We had low interest rates. We've had uh, now vaccines that are that are out there and people are feeling confident. They're feeling uh, like they can go out and spend and they can go out and shop and so forth. So yeah, the economy is recovering. Some people are saying, you know, the growth this year, we, we measured economic growth, GDP, gross domestic product. We might get a number that's three times normal. I mean, a normal growth is two to three percent. Mm-hmm. We might get six to seven percent growth this year in GDP. So, the economy uh, is getting this booster shot of stimulus, low interest rates, and and it is recovering. But it's uneven. You know, some of the restaurants, some of the hospitality, some of the travel mm-hmm. is is coming back more slowly, but it's coming back, and people are having a hard time. Uh, some are finding their 
job, finding their niche, finding their place. Uh, both employees or employers are having a hard time finding people and people are finding sometimes a hard time finding the right place for them to get back in, get back in the labor labor force. So yeah, you talked about that. So there's an article I was referring to, and I've heard um, other fast food restaurants doing this as well, but there was an article in Barron's this past weekend that talked about that and talked about how I think Domino's Pizza and some other places were offering just some, some unreal amounts of money. And I don't know where uh, to, for a, as a sign on bonus and also a unreal amount of money that they're going to pay by the hour. And of course that's that, that, hopefully will incentivize people and they're going to have to have some kind of what's going to be interesting is how many people will take advantage of that. And I'm sure they would have to sign something that says they're going to work for so many months in order for mm -hmm. the company to recoup that. But what's a company going to do if, you know, two months later, somebody just stops, uh, is it going to be worth them legally trying to f chase somebody? They can take something out of their last paycheck. I guess that's yeah. one of their, one of their uh, little checks that they can, keep from somebody doing that well it's just unheard of signing yeah. bonuses for uh yeah. pizza <laughs> delivery guys and and so forth it just goes to show you that it's it's a strange economy we're in and, and you just have to caution people say look we're going to get data points we'll get it we're going to get information we're going to get reports about this going up or this going down whatever and there's just a lot of noise to the data and so just you kind of have to take a deep breath and say look okay we're recovering it's going to be uneven it's going to be fits and starts but it is it is good news you know the more yeah. vaccines the more people are out uh the the cases are going down the deaths are going down and that's all good news so my wife and i and daughter once uh, we went out to several restaurants this over the last week since they essentially said, if you're vaccinated, you didn't have to wear a mask. <laughs> and of course, I don't know how they can tell that because you don't have to show them a card, but you go into these restaurants and wow, it's great. But then you still see just a few wait staff there. And, and so we're, we're giving extra tip mm -hmm. to those people because we're just so thankful that they were willing to come to work. And I hear a lot of people, uh, especially on the left, saying the the amount of money that they're they're getting extra in their unemployment checks that's not what's keeping them. But I, I human nature is such has got to be at least part of it. They just don't want to see that. But it, it is nice to see some of those um, getting back to, to at least somewhat a sense of normalcy. What what have you been reading about the uh, transit nature? Have you have you I've seen some articles about this. People coming from the Northeast, maybe California, some of those high tax states that they're using this as an opportunity to, especially since they now find out they can maybe work from about anywhere. Uh, are, are we seeing movement from away from some of those states? Oh, for sure. It showed up uh, even before the census data came out and, and that, that was pre COVID in terms of what it's measuring. And there was already uh, people leaving big urban places and coming to places that are less populated. And, and that this, this has only accentuated that trend that was going in place already because people are going to uh, cost of living is, is better and I can work remotely. Uh, why do I need to live in a high, high, uh, high cost, high, high cost city? Right. Um, right. I, I have more flexibility. And so that's uh, displacing people causing housing. It's one of the factors in housing and not the only one, obviously, but it's one of the factors that's causing housing prices to rise in many markets. And it's just quite interesting to see how, you know, there's talk about some trends that were out there have just been kind of pulled forward and accentuated by COVID. And, and that's yeah. for sure. You think about e-commerce or, or I had a, I had a visit this week with uh, a doctor virtually and it's the second yeah. time we've done it, but I, I did it last year when we had to. And this year I'm like, well, I don't really need to go in. We're just kind of you know, checking in and he doesn't, 
he can just, we can do this over the, yeah. over the computer. I do all my meetings that way anyway. So we did it. It was efficient. I didn't have to get in the car and fight parking or whatever. And I was done in 20 minutes and I'm like, this is the new, this is the new, we would never have thought of seeing a doctor virtually before. Right. Right. right? Yeah. But that, that was out there. And now that trend has been accentuated and people will do more of it. So it's just an interesting time an interesting uh, way to see the economy evolved and, 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 and it's recovering. It's, it's, actually doing more than recovering it's bouncing back robustly and we'll probably do for another year or 18 months or so and then we'll get back to kind of a normal two to three percent growth and employment will be back uh, you know closer to full employment we hope and um is we're gonna we're gonna see and we could talk about inflation at some point but yeah, we're we going will. to see some yeah. inflation yeah and um the question is is, is inflation going to stay with us go higher uh, as the economy slows down and we get to more normal or or is, or is it going to be transitory? Yeah. And that's a word we can talk about. Well, something that I that I hear retirees ask about the economy, and that is especially the ones who listen here that we, who who are more conservative typically than your your average person out there, is with all the things that President Biden is proposing: uh, higher taxes on corporations, higher taxes on on what he calls the wealthier, and and. Really, a lot of things that he's doing that may cause inflation that's going to, whether it's a pizza driver that they're going to have to pay more money to, and that's going to end up being inflationary to the person who's buying the pizza. It's got to show up somewhere. Um, what the the longevity of the recovery or in, in the duration of it, the strength of it, um, do you see any of that uh, hindering, uh, slowing it down or not have any effect because he's not going to get it through because the Senate split 50-50? Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, the, the costs for some of these things, who doesn't want help with daycare or who doesn't want a couple of years of free college? I mean, well, who wouldn't want those things? But there's costs to all of those. Right. And, and if you built in just a higher cost basis, a cost structure to our economy and to how things work, taxes might need to be higher in the future, just ongoing. And you, you just never know what's the, what are the long-term effects of um, some of those expectations and things we build into the system here that started out to be like, well, this is, this is to help us temporarily, but temporarily becomes long-term because people don't want to give it up once they have it. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, it, people need to understand, I think that when you get something free, I'm, I'm putting air quotes around that. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't see that on the radio, but I, I, that's what I did. I saw that. Uh, yeah. Okay, good. Uh, so when you have, um, people thinking they're going to get something free just think back of other programs like medicaid all right so people that that uh, essentially at a certain income level certain asset level you're essentially don't have anything and now you're going to be taken care of by the government medicare is the next level uh that that when you when you have the government starting to take over some things like that they start putting restrictions the government and who is the government but they start putting restrictions because we they can only afford to do so much so your education so it's free but what's going to happen they're going to start controlling salaries they're going to start controlling a lot of other things that are part of that process that you didn't want them to but that's what's going to happen the person who's controlling the purse strings is purse strings is the one who controls Everything else in there. That's right. Strings attached. So the you know, if it's college, maybe the curriculum will start being uh, looked at, or or well, let's see, you, you maybe you have to pay back based on your job salary, or you know, who knows? You're right. The government gets its hands in there. It's not going to be without without some uh, strings, without some catches. Yeah, yeah. All right. We we'll get back from the break. We're going to open up this uh, 
can of worms, proverbial worms called inflation. You know, what's going to happen? Because people are concerned about that as well. Uh, this article that I was referring to that's in Barron's that uh, had a um, pretty good summary of different things that other economists and people are saying about it, saying it's it's higher than what the some of the government uh, indicators would say that it is. And they also talk about the the M1 and M2. So you get the money supply. So Ed Giardini is quoted as saying, all you have to do is open your eyes to see there is inflation pressure everywhere. He says, we are in stimulus shock. For evidence, he points to the 26% year-over-year increase in M2 money supply, the largest gain since 43. And then the M1 or M uh, the M1 or very liquid money circulation is up by 316%. So those are the things he is putting out there saying that's that's where inflation is coming from. He doesn't talk about the velocity of money. So we're going to educate the listeners when we get back from the break on what really is making up the inflation and 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 what are the odds that it's going to uh, stay there that that transitory comment that the fed keeps making we'll talk about that all right we'll be back with the second half of talking money in just a few minutes this is certified financial planner professional mike miller your host for talking money i am pleased to have ronald blue trust as the sponsor of talking money as a trust company with clients in all 50 states Ronald Blue Trust can serve as trustee, backup trustee, or even personal representative, what we used to call the executor or executrix. This can be a valuable service, especially if you'd like to pass on your values and not just your valuables to your heirs. Your heirs will probably have one of two perspectives. Either they will say something like, what am I going to inherit? Which is usually the common perspective. Or they will ask, what is going to be entrusted to me? What talents will I be responsible to manage? Tim Kimmel, Director of Family Matters, said it well. Quote, you can't leave character to your trust account. You can't write your values into the will. You can't bank traits like courage, honesty, and compassion in a safe deposit box. What we need is a plan, a long-term strategy to convey our convictions to the next generation. Unquote. Estate and trust planning are about much more than saving taxes or simply making sure your assets get transferred efficiently to your children. You can find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-PLAN. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. My special guest, Mark Elam, the senior, one of the senior um, analyst over at uh, Ronald Blue Trust that is um, with me today to and has been with me a number of times to talk about the economy. Uh, we're talking about stocks. We have talked more about stocks, I guess, in the past, talking more about the economy. We're talking about inflation a little bit now because a lot of the things heating up, people want to know about what's going on. Of course, if you've got a, a specific questions, you can send an email to mike at talkingmoneyradio.com. So just before the break, we had uh, some comments by that I read by Ed Yardini, a, a well-known economist, been around a long time. Um, but he was talking about uh, his, his comment was, all you have to do is open your eyes to see there is inflation pressure everywhere. And he talks about the M2 money supply being higher, the M1 money supply being higher. But he never, never talks about velocity of money. Dr. Jim Rook, the economist in our, our local office, it's been a while since he's been on the show with me, but he would talk about the velocity of money and how that's really as important or probably more important than these other items. So what's your take on all that, uh, Mark? 
Yeah, velocity, it's a technical term, but just kind of think of it in terms of if if the government sent out a bunch of stimulus checks or the government sends money to the banks, makes things more, uh, you know, lowers interest rates, but that money sits in the vaults. If that money sits in uh, or my savings account because the government sends me a check and it just sits there. Or it pays did, off debt. It doesn't. Or, or pays off yeah. debt, right? It doesn't, it doesn't kind of, uh, the velocity, the speed, the, 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 does it, the traction of that money into the economy varies. And if it doesn't, if it's not being spent, if it's not being used, it's not going to create economic activity and create consequently inflation if, uh, if it's just kind of sitting in vaults. And that, that's what we, when we say, when we measure velocity, that's what we're saying. How much mm-hmm. that money, that stimulus, is it, is it percolating? Is it going through the economy to kind of lubricate and kind of get things going? If, if it doesn't, then, in, you know, we can have a great, a high increase in money supply with without uh, resulting inflation. So what is in, what is inflation? Is it high enough for us to be worried about now? Is it gonna? Is it just a, one of these these new norm, new terms that the Fed is putting out there? Transitory. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? I think our view is that you know the economy is roaring back. Uh, we didn't have a broken economy like you have in most recessions. We had an economy that just had to get turned off. Now it's been turned back on. And people are ready to spend, ready to go out there, and. Um, we're, we're, we're going to have a messy restart, right? Think about the supply. Yeah. Uh, people, manufacturing uh, companies couldn't create inventory, couldn't create supply, and now everybody wants it. Think about house, houses. Mm-hmm. There was a shortage of houses. Now people want them, and, and what, what happens? The prices go up. So you have when you have supply disruptions, which is what we've had, when things get turned back on, you're going to have what we would call transitory or temporary inflation as supply and demand kind of get more in equilibrium and get more aligned. Um, the Fed contends, and and we don't, you can't really disagree, don't want to disagree with the Federal Reserve, but the Fed contends that these are going to be transitory, they're going to be temporary, things will line up soon, and, and supply and demand will come into better balance here I don't know, six, 12 months. And this inflation will calm down as, as economic mm-hmm. growth calms down and so gets more normal. That that's the, I think that's the expectation, but there are those out there that say, no, we don't think it's going to be transitory. We think this is going to be locked in. They kind of remember the seventies mm-hmm. and how inflation just kept building and building and building. And then it became a problem that had to be dealt with in the early eighties. Yeah. One of the things that this article talks about from Barron says that one feature of the great inflation of the mid sixties into early eighties was a buy-in-advance mentality, Yardini says, where consumers fearing higher prices tomorrow buy today and reinforce pricing pressures. There's some evidence that a psychology that such a psychology is returning. I I don't know that inflation is high enough to do that, but I don't, so I don't well, know where he's getting that information. But we did see that with gas prices. So yeah, just, this is just true. a little, you know, the Colonial Pipeline shutdown. It just shows you when supply is disrupted, what can happen. And so yeah. you had people in Atlanta lining up to buy gas. Did they need to buy gas? We don't know. But they were afraid that they weren't going to be able to buy it in a couple of days. So the lines formed at the, at the pumps and the price went up. And then in a couple of days, you know, maybe a week or so, as things got back to normal, uh, prices uh, are slowly coming back. But it just goes to show you a supply disruption causes a price spike, but that price spike is not permanent. It's not that gas, you know, from now from $3 a gallon, it's just going to keep there and go up from there. No, it, it came back down to kind of more of a normal price. So the same thing's going on, whether it's lumber, whether it's uh, circuit boards, chips, whatever it is, supply will eventually align up with demand 
and uh, these effects will will calm down. So, what about the worker shortage? I mean, that's that seems to be something that's uh, top of mind, at least in a lot of the mainstream media. Mm-hmm. They they talk about that a lot, and the article talks about Wall Street economists that when to worry about inflation, really the you want to center on wages. Labor is often the company's biz, biggest expense. They say. And the employers are typically reluctant to raise wages because reversing course isn't realistic. Uh, the, so then they talk about growing indications of wage inflation. Uh, and that's where they talk about the Domino's Pizza offering some delivery drivers $1,000 to sign on. I, I was tempted, you know. <laughs> Maybe I, should, I could drive a pizza for a little while. Uh, and, and $25 an hour. FedEx and Cardinal Health are paying $500 sign, sign on Bose's. We talked a little bit about that earlier, but how do you think that's going to affect? And is that going to be a temporary? Is that another one of those things that will equal itself out once once the unemployment checks stop? And- yeah, you would have to think so. There's yeah. there's several factors. Unemployment checks are keeping people on. Well, maybe I'm reluctant. I don't, I'm I'm in no hurry. I'm getting paid, you know, seventy percent, eighty percent, sixty percent, whatever the number is of my normal wages. Uh, for others, it's a it's a daycare school issue. The kids aren't in school. One of us has to stay home. I can't go back to the workforce, and and so my job wants me back, but I can't go back because the kids aren't in school. And you know, some that that varies around the country, obviously. So that will correct itself. That will take care of itself over time. But so these are these are disruptions. These are supply issues, and um, eventually, I you know, we just feel like things will calm down, and we'll get through this period of of uh, of lining up open jobs open with demand and and the need for employees and and people will come back into the labor force and and take care of those those jobs so a question that follows up with that is all right so what's an investor supposed to do so what what are the best ways uh are we in this bubble uh, and and i'd be happy to send the most recent uh, economic review and outlook to anybody that wants it if you want to send me an email that says economic review i'll be glad to send it to you the question question at the top of that one is are we in a bubble and and of course are the whole team you and the whole team address some of those concerns with people but but so what do you think uh what should an investor do there's i read an article from uh gold co because you always got to remember when you're getting articles from a company that's selling a particular product <laughs> uh, the insurance guys are always downplaying uh the economy completely because they want you to, to look for guaranteed type things in no matter how expensive those guarantees come. Gold says we want you to buy gold. And of course, it's amazing how they're talking about interest rates here and they're talking about interest rates go negative and and that either way, um, it's amazing that the, the answer is to buy silver and gold. I, it was just amazing how that, that was. Of course, I'm being facetious. But um, so, I mean, is gold, I know some we have some gold in some of our portfolios or at least used to. Uh, what's What's the... What's a way for an investor to diversify this properly? Yeah, inflation is one of the biggest enemies um, for for holding on to wealth and for 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 long term wealth preservation. Inflation is is one of your worst enemies. You you have to prepare for it. And so, I'd, I'd say the the worst thing you do is is sell assets for the lo- that are that are supposed to be in long term investments and go to cash because cash is going to never keep up with inflation by definition, right? Cash right. is not earning anything. Inflation, meanwhile, is taking away one to two to 3% of your money every year. So cash is the worst thing to be in to, to, to fight inflation. So what you do is, you know, we talk to our clients about timeframes, like when do you need the ca- When do you need the cash? When do you need the funds that you're investing? Do you need them in the short term, intermediate or long term? If you need it in the short term, it needs to be in cash because it needs to be ready and available. If it's an intermediate and we call intermediate three to five year, need that I'm going to have for, for these funds, 
Well, those need to go into certain assets, typically like bonds, because bonds keep up with inflation. They give you one to two percent or so return. And keeping up with inflation really is all you're trying to do, you know, kind of with those intermediate term any immediate term needs. It's the long-term assets where um, are going to do the best job at protecting you against inflation because they're going to grow um, over and above inflation. And we're talking about stocks or real estate or whatever, but you have to have a long-term horizon for those. And, you know, it's like, you know, the Fed talks about, we have tools to fight inflation should inflation become a problem. And that means higher interest rates or, or whatever. And, you know, we have tools for investors to, to offset inflation. And those are growth assets because if inflation goes up, corporate earnings will go up and stock prices will go up. And gold can be a, a good uh, store of value as well in portfolios because gold's a good offset against volatility and fluctuation. So gold can have a role at times too. Yeah. So when we get back from the break, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that and had a listener question that uh, had sent in just a, a week or so ago. And this particular listener is from um, uh, Baton Rouge, I think. He's in Louisiana. And I, of course, I had to ask him how he found out about talking money. And he couldn't remember, but he thought he heard me on the Money Wise program, which is uh, on the Moody Radio, which is not around the upstate. Uh, and I was a guest several times on the Money Wise program. So and then he had to search out Talking Money. To uh, I think they talked about that on the show. But he's got a question here we want to talk about. We get uh, back from the break about regarding uh, the moral and ethical issues in mutual fund investing. Very interesting question. I haven't had that for a while. We want to talk about that. We'll be back with the last segment of Talking Money in just a couple of minutes. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear, bondage, and conflict. They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living, free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust Advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or one 800 588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And I'd love to hear from you. If you've got a question for me about whether or not we might be a good fit, be able to help you with your financial planning, tax, estate planning, investments, and so forth, uh, we're here to help. Uh, even with uh, Mark and I won't have time to talk about some of the private placements, but um, if there's enough assets in there, we also consider some private equity or private credit uh, to help balance out a portfolio and, and diversify away from the the regular uh, stock market and the retail bond market and so forth. Uh, it's a way for us to, to diversify away from that, but it's, it, it is more restrictive and uh, from a standpoint of who can get into it and how long you have to leave it in there. So there's reasons to, to do it. There's reasons not to do it, but we have all those things as uh, part of our, and our quiver for part of the, the uh, uh, resources that we have available to us at Ronald Blue Trust. I'd love to speak with you. But that's the the phone call at the office. Or, of course, you can send me that email at Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com, and I'll be glad to get back with you. So I had a question that came in from Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com from, as I mentioned before the break, uh, this gentleman who lives in, um, in Louisiana. 
He says, hi, Mike, I really enjoy your program. I think folks would be interested in hearing your thoughts on moral and ethical issues regarding mutual fund investing. How do you feel? I've heard discussion from one of the investment group advisors with Eventide, but unsure if it would be a wise move to transfer funds to them. Uh, thank you. May the Lord continue to bless and use you. So anyway, what's, uh, what's the general thought? I've got some thoughts, too, on that. But Mark... Um, in general, what, how do we feel about Sure. Right the first thing we talk about with our clients is we just really encourage them to have a stewardship mindset. And when I say that, um, we feel like we, we, we want to give them and reassure and reinforce the perspective of, you know what, I'm, an, I'm not an owner of this wealth or these resources that God's given me. We're, we're managers, right? Owner, mm -hmm. owner, we're not owners, we're managers. And so that really kind of implies a broad range of responsibilities across and around our money. Uh, investing is just one of those aspects, you know, how we spend, how we give, uh, how much we borrow. Those are all factors that kind of come into play when you have a stewardship perspective and not just a ownership perspective. So when it comes to investing, you know, some clients have a screen out mentality. I don't, I just I don't want to avoid certain companies. Right. And some clients might have a screen in focus. I want to invest in, you know, like-minded companies, companies mm -hmm. that are doing good. Now the, the, the latter is much more difficult than the former. Right, sure. It's easy to say, well, I don't want cigarettes or I don't want whatever. Okay. That's easy. That's easy enough to do, but I, I, I want to invest with companies that are doing good. Okay. What's the problem there? What does doing good mean? Yeah. Right. And everybody's doing good is not the same. It's so yeah. that where it gets, it gets more challenging and it becomes more of an individual decision. Yeah. So I, I, have asked several people a question back when they've asked me that question because it's it's very difficult especially in mutual fund investing there's some mutual funds that others we've uh, in the past have eliminated certain mutual funds because they consistently invested in gambling uh, casinos and things like that we knew our clients didn't want that but but sometimes you're investing in some of those and don't even know it because the the main company the holding company that you're investing in may have this subsidiary that's not even a very big part of that unless you really dig deep into their finances you're not going to even know that they have it um, but i've asked people before because it's interesting how little people understand this i said okay well if you if you buy a particular company stock let's say you buy ford motor company stock just as an example um and you bought it uh on the new york stock exchange how much of your money did ford motor company get and and of course their answer is well i think they, they got all my money well they didn't get any of your money. Um, so un unless you're investing in a company that's doing an initial public offering or some kind of public offering where they're issuing stock and you're actually giving your money to the company so that they can expand their their services, expand their manufacturing capabilities, something, they're not getting any of your money. So somebody else got your money that had bought the stock earlier. Now, where the contention can come in and say, okay, yeah, but the dividends I'm getting from that company are coming from bad activities. Well, for motor company i'm just selling cars so i would say okay unless you just hate ford it's it's not necessarily an ethical thing that i'm getting those those dividends and so that may be a different part you have to deal with but uh i think it's just so hard and I, and there are you know companies like eventide who do a good job of of um not investing in certain companies that that many christians would oppose to being invested in and there are other companies that that do that um but in a whole if you're buying like we do a lot of index funds well, they're just part of the index, and 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 most of the companies are a very, very, very small part of the index, uh, and you're not even going to know. So you just by default, yes, you're going to buy some of those, but uh, it's not like you're helping that company grow. That's right. What we do in our in our company is we try to have the conversation with a client expresses this concern or desire, and we say, okay, let's let's talk more about that. What what are the values you're trying to reinforce, and 
how do you think about in terms of spending and, and directing do, real dollars to those companies versus investing with them? Have you thought about that? And and then when we, we kind of drill down and see more of what they're trying to accomplish, there are fun families out there that have different perspectives about doing good or screening out. And, mm-hmm. and we help them explore those. And we kind of do it in a, in, in an, a, a, walking alongside them in a relationship, which is why that, you know, kind of advisor client relationship is so important as we understand more and more kind of what they're trying to accomplish, what their goals are, and then help them navigate and help them invest and feel good about the investments they're making. But uh, it's right. What you say, a lot of times that we're, we're investing so broadly and uh, in, in funds that dr- you have to drill down and see the companies that are 0.01% of a portfolio and so forth. And is that really something that the client is concerned about? And they're like, well, right. no, not so much. I just don't want you going out and buying shares in this company. And that, yeah. and that's a different, that's a different right. thing. All right. So in, in a bigger picture, mm-hmm. there's still, there's always these questions uh, about, all right, the, the, in general, the stock market is, is overvalued. All right. So well, then you got to decide what stock market you're, you're talking about. And so what's the current thinking of the team about international and that's can be developed international or emerging markets international uh, where the prices of, of, of that versus the price uh, and where the, it stands versus the U.S.? Yeah, broad brush, um, the U.S. is more expensive than international developed economies. Kind of think of Germany and Europe and, uh, and Japan, Australia, more expensive than those and, and more expensive than even what we call emerging markets. And those would be the China, mm-hmm. India's uh Brazil's, South Korea's of the world. So generally speaking, the U.S. is more expensive than that. But there's when you say the, the U.S. is expensive, that, you know, well, which U.S. are you talking about? Because it's mm-hmm. there are large company tech companies that are expensive, and then there are other medium-sized and smaller-cap companies that are not so expensive. So for our clients, we, we invest broadly, we diversify, and we try to find the areas of the market that are not so overvalued. Right. But value but versus growth, even I mean, values come back a lot here lately, right. but still, I think under what growth is, because growth has been beating value That's for right. so long. Investors are finally starting to kind of give a little bit of a preference towards those cheaper companies, companies that are not so bid right. up over the last several years. Right. And those those stocks are performing and that's good because we have exposure to those. We have exposure to maybe some of the expensive ones as well. So we diversify across assets. So you, you do have to decide and, and it's a judgment. Is are things expensive? Well, they seem kind of expensive, but but guess what? The economy's expanding. Corporate earnings are going to be exploding. Maybe they're not as expensive as we may think they are because yeah. their earnings are about to to go up a lot. Yeah. So, in humility, we diversify. We we buy where we think things are expensive. We buy where things are are cheap. We try to tilt towards the more cheap the cheap places, but. But to get back to your question, yeah, international right now seems a little bit, uh, a little bit less, less expensive and a little bit more, uh, more, uh, more cheaply priced in terms of what you're paying for the companies that you're investing in and what they're earning. Another analyst I was looking at talked about global value stocks uh, having a pretty good discount to uh, global growth stocks, mm-hmm. and that's really what you've been part of what you're referring to. That's right. And those stocks tend to do better in a recovering economy, the value stocks. It's parts of the com, a com, parts of the, you know, companies that are going to leverage to economic growth, leverage yeah. to better growth, meaning yeah. better earnings growth for them versus growth companies that seem to kind of grow, whether the economy's doing well or where it's doing poorly. Those companies just kind of seem to get chugging, chugging along 
looking backwards, those companies have done better. But now looking forward, as economic cycle goes, uh, recovers and ramps up, value companies um, seem to be better positioned um, because their earnings are going to be really improving. So we've had a a value bias for a while. Plan first before we joined Ronald Blue Trust, we had even stronger value bias, which over the last several years would mean you're underperforming. But but now lately it's uh, it's starting to to turn the tide and we may look smart again. Yeah. Uh, Over long, long periods of time, value stocks have, have outperformed growth. They go through periods where they don't. And it's nice to be in a season where they seem to be seem to be uh, coming back into their own. All right. So we have less than a minute. Anything but with corporate buybacks and with uh, executives that are buying back their own stock, uh, how that may affect things? You got like 20 seconds. Yeah, we're going to start seeing companies <laughs> buying back their stock again. They, they kind of took a pause with that, with all the uncertainty around COVID, but that'll start up again. And, and you will see actually dividends being returned, dividends uh, increases again as earnings recover those types of activities recover and that will help stock prices all right thanks for joining me again mark you love me senior investment strategist ronald blue trust out of atlanta glad to have you with us and thank you all for listening to talking money we'll be back next week with the next edition of talking money have a great weekend though i'm an employee of ronald blue trust talking money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program during the program i may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested.